From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to a Christmas Eve edition of Washington Watch. What a great time of year. Family, friends, and a focus on Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Born a baby in an animal trough outside of an obscure little town called Bethlehem. Well, 700 years before his birth, the prophet Micah spoke of the coming king. We read of it in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, where it reads, But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Well, you can't really think of Christmas and not think of that little town, Bethlehem. And it's not hard to think of uh, Bethlehem without thinking about Israel. And we'll talk with CBN's Middle East Bureau Chief, Chris Mitchell, in just a uh, moment, who will join us from Jerusalem. You know, no one can credibly argue that Jesus Christ did not change the world. Time is measured by him. History revolves around him as his message reshaped all of human society. But what he revealed, what he taught us, was the importance of the individual. Christ died for you and for me. The gospel has transformed the world by transforming the lives of individuals, one life at a time. A few biographies reveal the power of the gospel message better than that of Dr. Ben Carson, who will join us a little later on this Christmas Eve edition of Washington Watch. Now, if you miss any part of today's program, you'll be able to find it later at TonyPerkins.com. There, you'll also find the details not only of this show and its related resources, but you can watch past shows and see the resources we have available as well. Uh, Before I uh, go to uh, our first guest, I just want to remind you, two years ago, the Family Research Council rolled out the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan to encourage people to read through the scriptures. Now, it's, it's been amazing to watch and to read and hear from supporters across the country that have joined with us in this a Bible reading program that's coming to a close now. Some may ask, well, what is a public policy organization in Washington, D.C. doing promoting the Bible? Well, first and foremost, we are a Christian organization, and I believe that All that we do, whether it be in our public policy work, our careers as public servants, doesn't matter really what it is, whatever we do in our families, entertainment, education, it must start with the firm foundation of Scripture if it is to bring glory to God. Because we are told that whatever we do, we're to do to the glory of God. And how do we know what is glorifying to God unless we know how to live our lives in a way that is honoring to him. And that is revealed to us in his word. So I encourage you to sign up now to join us in January for our Stand on the Word two-year Bible reading plan as we begin this second journey. For details, go to frc.org slash Bible. And I encourage you to invite someone else to join you. This is a great uh, program. There's a lot of resources there for you. Do it as a family, do it as a Sunday school class, a small group, even a, even in your neighborhood. Get a group together to read through the Bible. All the details are at frc.org slash Bible. As Christians around the world are preparing to celebrate what happened over 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, the Holy Land remains the center of political turmoil, both domestically and internationally. In fact, Israel's military remains on high alert against Islamic terrorist attacks, But that does not keep this tiny startup nation from moving forward as an oasis of ingenuity and prosperity in a desert of despair and darkness. Joining us from Jerusalem with an update on what is happening, not only in Israel, but more broadly in the Middle East, is Chris Mitchell, Middle East Bureau Chief with CBN News. Chris, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, great to be with you, and Merry Christmas from uh, Jerusalem. Well, Merry Christmas to you as well. I mentioned Bethlehem. Let, let's start there. I know that's not too far from uh, from there in Jerusalem where you are. Are the streets of Bethlehem quiet tonight? Yeah, they are. Well, there's a celebration about on Christmas Eve uh, there in uh, Bethlehem. Uh, and certainly it's about five miles from where I am right now. Uh, unfortunately, Bethlehem 
currently is uh, very having a very difficult time because of COVID. Uh, there really haven't been any tourists to speak of for about 18 months. And uh, Bethlehem is really a, a tourist town, an economy based on tourism. Uh, so many of the Christians there and, uh, and other peoples there are having a difficult time uh, economically. But uh, during this season, we can celebrate what the uh, angel said, that I bring you uh, good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto you a Savior born in Bethlehem. And I, I just wanted to say what your comments about, uh, you know, uh, how a public policy uh, institution is uh, dependent on the Bible, your Christian ministry. And, you know, if you say that, you can expand that. Really, the Western civilization is based on Christian principles, and it all started here in the Holy Land, the land of the Bible. Well, exactly. And it was the birth of that little baby in a, an obscure place in an animal trough. And I, you don't really, you, you see all these things in the West, how we make these things very glamorous and nice. But when you actually travel there in Israel and you see what we're talking about here, this was not a glamorous scene or a setting for the birth of Jesus Christ. Not at all. 2,000 years ago, it was, uh, you know, as you said, a backward uh, village just about five miles away from uh, Jerusalem. You know, uh, we did a story on CBN. Uh, we did a story in the wise men. And there's 12 verses. That's about all we know about the, the, the wise men in the, uh, in the Bible, in the book of Matthew. But they were extraordinary men that studied the stars. And uh, Genesis says that the stars were for signs uh, in the sky, and they studied the stars, and they find a miraculous sign that that, uh, that someone was born king of the Jews, and they spent months, maybe up to two years, uh, studying that, and then traveling perhaps uh, 700 miles. Many people think they came from Babylon. Many have been, may have come from the school of Daniel there in, uh, in Babylon, but they traveled 700 miles, perhaps, and came to a small village, came first here to Jerusalem, Asked King Herod, and then when King Herod asked his wise men where uh, the the uh, king of the Jews would be born, they told him that very scripture that you said uh, out of the prophet Micah. And uh, and then they came and they they worshipped the king of the Jews. And I think still today, men's hearts are at rest until they find that peace that only comes through Jesus Christ. So this time of year, is there a, a greater sense of peace that uh, descends upon uh, Israel in the Middle East, or is it just as tense as uh, it is every other time of the year? Well, it's certainly uh, tense, Tony. I would say that uh, here in Jerusalem, there's been a number of terror attacks uh, near the Damascus Gate of the Old City. There was uh, tragically another terror attack uh, just yesterday uh, where one of the uh, people in the, the Judea and Samaria were killed, two others wounded. Uh, in that sense, I think the tension continues. Overarching this is the threat of an Iranian nuclear program. Uh, that's probably the number one uh, security issue for Israel. Uh, but I think it's the individual's hearts, uh, if they uh, they have that, that comfort, that security, that uh, knowing uh, the Savior and the peace that comes with that, uh, certainly that makes this time of year and Christmas Eve uh, just a very, very special time of the year uh, for, for people that really have that uh, joy and comfort. Now, Chris, if I'm not mistaken, you've been there in the Middle East over two decades now uh, for CBN News covering uh, the news in the Middle East. The, I mean, you look at Israel, I mean, the size of New Jersey. It's not a very big uh, country. But yet the world seems to be focused on Israel. It remains really at the epicenter of, uh, of world events. That in, in and of itself speaks to the importance of what we are celebrating at Christmas time, that no matter who denies it, the political realities, you know, ignoring it, the fact is Israel remains a factor because it is the birth, it is the place of the birth of Jesus Christ, and it is Christianity uh, that has reshaped the Western society. Yeah, and I think we're seeing uh, prophecy and history unfold. Uh, you know, someone said that uh, in Jerusalem are the crossroads of history and prophecy. Another one said, you know, 2,000 years ago, they said all roads lead to Rome. Now all roads are leading 
to Jerusalem. And there's a story I remember hearing uh, about uh, Disraeli. I think it was the British prime minister and Queen uh, uh, Victoria, uh, perhaps Elizabeth said, you know, what is the proof of God? And uh, he said, the Jews, your majesty. And uh, right now here in uh, Israel and Jerusalem, uh, we see an amazing prophetic fulfillment. Uh, Some of the prophets, like Micah said, Uh, more than 2,000 years ago, that the Jewish people would return to their homeland. We see it every day. It is a beacon of democracy here in the Middle East. It is the startup nation where technological marvels uh, are are coming out of this nation to change the world. Uh, And so when you see this happening, it is the focus of world attention. Uh, And there are nations that want to stand with Israel, but there are nations that want to eliminate Israel. Number one right now in the list would have to be Iran. And uh, one of their military leaders just said the other day, their number one goal is to eradicate the Jewish people. That speaks to the, it's the spiritual focus of so many people uh, and the political focus as well right here in Jerusalem and Israel. Uh, And Chris, in just a moment, I want to kind of turn personal here and kind of ask how you and your family celebrate uh, Christmas there uh, in the heart of where it all began in Israel. But before I do that, you you mentioned Iran. Uh, When you look at where we are a year later after the elections in the United States, is Israel in a more precarious position than it was a year ago? I would say uh, very much so, Tony. We just did a story on uh, uh, some of the IDF military leaders, the IDF meaning the Israel Defense Forces. They're very concerned that they may have to go it alone against Iran's nuclear program. They see a few things. First of all, they see Iran getting closer and closer to to weapons-grade uranium, up to 90% enriched uranium. That's one thing they see. The other thing they see since the Biden administration has taken office, they see Afghanistan, the pull out of Afghanistan, which is really reverberated uh, throughout the Middle East. We know reverberated around the world, but particularly here in Israel, and they see an administration they feel that is running away from the area and willing to turn its back on its allies. They also see an unwillingness to, uh, to respond to any Iranian provocations against uh, U.S. military installations. And, uh, and they also look at the talks in Vienna, and they feel like the U.S. is so eager to enter into a, a re-enter into the Iranian nuclear deal, that's going to put Israel at risk. That's why many Israeli military leaders, you hear it more from political leaders as well, they say they may have to go it alone. They say they will go it alone if they have to stop Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. Well, and uh, we're up against a break, Chris, but I want to come back and, and, and touch on that for just a moment, because my observation is that the that Israel, in terms of going alone, is preparing for that even now. It looks like there's been uh, more independent action on behalf of Israel than we saw in previous years, knowing that they have to fight for themselves and fend for themselves. So, Chris, we're going to talk about that when we come back and also kind of get some insights on how how you and your family celebrate uh, Christmas there in the Holy Land. Folks, don't go away. More Washington Watch to come. We're going to be finishing our conversation up with Chris Mitchell from Jerusalem, and then Dr. Ben Carson going to be joining us a little bit later. Talk about the impact of the Christmas story, birth of a Savior, transformation of his life, and uh, how that led him to where he is today. He's going to share that uh, with us a little bit later here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. More Washington Watch still to come on this Christmas Eve. We often hear that religious liberty is something we must protect. But what is it? Simply put, it is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. So, why should people care about protecting religious liberty, both domestically and internationally? At Family Research Council, we believe that fighting for religious liberty is essential because it is an inherent human right that all governments have a responsibility to protect. Unfortunately, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a terrible reality around the world, yet so often the media turns a blind eye while attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. As Christians, we look to Scripture as our authority, and in it we have a clear calling from God to pray and care for the persecuted. 
Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. Learn more about what you can do to help the persecuted by accessing Family Research Council's latest resources on religious liberty at frc.org slash religious liberty. What do abortion, pornography, and human trafficking have in common? They all violate human dignity and worth, treating people as objects to be bought, sold, and discarded. Here at Family Research Council, we believe that every person is made in the image of God and has inherent dignity and worth. FRC's Center for Human Dignity exists to give a voice to the voiceless by providing helpful resources that address abortion, human trafficking, pornography, and more. To learn more, visit frc.org life. In a culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood, but men need a model of leadership they can follow. Stand Courageous Men's Ministry seeks to help men develop a strong biblical character, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Find an event near you at StandCourageous.com. Here at FRC, we stand. We love to stand. We can't stop standing. We love standing so much, we actually removed all the chairs, couches, and stools from our premises. But that wasn't enough for us. We got USA-made 15-ounce stand mugs, so that if we ever forget what to do, we're reminded by the USA-made ceramic always close at hand. Whether drinking a morning brew, sipping afternoon tea, or chowing down on dinner, Everything served in a stand mug just pairs oh so well. Does a conscience that stands for faith, family, and freedom ever truly go thirsty? Get your stand mug at TonyPerkins.com and, as always, keep standing. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Merry Christmas Eve. If you're just joining us, I've been talking with Chris Mitchell, Middle East Bureau Chief for CBN News. He's on the ground in Jerusalem discussing a number of things of uh, what's happening there in the Middle East right now. Uh, The fact that Israel is preparing to go it alone if necessary as they look at the increasing risk uh, from Iran and their nuclear capabilities uh, Chris, thanks so much for uh, sticking around. Great to be with you again, uh, Tony. All right, Chris, let me just ask you, as we were talking about uh, how Israel's preparing to go it alone, I, it just appears to me, and, and I'm not nearly as close to this as you are there in Jerusalem, but it looks like there's been activity that would suggest that Israel's already, in many ways, going it alone, taking some preemptive strikes in certain places uh, where great threat threat or risk is opposed to Israel. Yeah, I think on several fronts, uh, Tony. First of all, I would say up in Syria, uh, Israel is very concerned that Iran wants to make Syria a forward base against Israel. So uh, they have been trying to get weapons uh, and militias in there, in the infrastructure there. That's why uh, almost very regularly you hear of reports of Israel striking uh, Iranian targets inside Syria, uh, there, was, there was a report just a few days ago about chemical weapons, a Syrian chemical weapons uh, facility. Hezbollah has been entrenched up there as well. So that's one of the fronts uh, that Israel is fighting. Also, cyber warfare. There's been cyber attacks by Israel against uh, Iran's nuclear facilities. We know one of their top nuclear scientists was assassinated uh, several months ago. And then there's been these uh, covert activities uh, in the Tants and uh, other places uh, against uh, Iran's nuclear facilities uh, right there on the ground. And, uh, but what happens when and if Israel uh, decides to uh, come against uh, Iran's nuclear uh, facilities with a bombing campaign uh, remains to be seen. That's been an open question for many, many years, almost two decades, uh, Tony. And, uh, but, but it does seem right now there's a crescendo of activities and rhetoric by Israeli military and uh, uh, political leaders. In fact, uh, this month, also Iran uh, responded to some of that rhetoric 
and they uh, they put something out in uh, in a publication called uh, the Tehran Times and warned Israel uh, just don't make any mistakes. And they actually had a map of all these targets uh, that they could target uh, here in Israel. So that that's right now. It seems. This crescendo is happening. The big question, I think, Tony, where will the U.S. stand? Will they stand with Israel? Will they give Israel the tools that they need, uh, the refueling tankers, the F-35s, precision-guided munitions? Uh, that remains to be seen if the U.S. will stand with Israel, either uh, actively ac actually going together with Israel or supplying the needed munitions. Well, uh, that I can't answer, nor can you. It's hard. I mean, a few right. years ago, we'd say never would America abandon Israel. But I, I, I can't say that with certainty, given what we're seeing in this administration and how, uh, how we even see, even in our own Congress, a, a growing anti-Israel uh, sentiment. But one thing, Chris, I think uh, we can uh, rely upon with certainty is something we were talking about earlier about as a public policy organization, the importance of reading the Word of God and knowing the Word of God, uh, God makes very clear in His Word He's not going to abandon Israel. And I think that when we look at these things in the light of Scripture, we know that there's going to be challenges and difficulties. But in the end, uh, I, I, I think God's people uh, in Israel will, will, uh, will, will prevail. God is going to stay with them. Uh, I would agree, Tony. Actually, as a T-shirt, you can come around here sometimes, and you see all the empires that have come against uh, Israel throughout the ages. They're all gone, but the Jewish people in Israel is still here. Uh, they are his chosen people. The Bible says that he will watch over Israel. And, uh, and as you said, you know, the timeless message of the gospel remains the same. Uh, you know, as I said, God will take over his uh, people and uh, you know, Tony, here we are on Christmas Eve. Uh, I don't know if I've shared this with you, but, you know, I got saved in Washington, D.C. in 1977. It was May 8th. I was at a McDonald's, talked to a, a friend of mine about what it means to be born again, to invite Jesus in your heart. That Christmas was one of the best Christmases I've ever had when, uh, when it really became fresh and new and alive. The Christmas story 2,000 years ago, it remains the same today. Well, and that, in fact, is a miracle that someone would find the truth in Washington, D.C., and their life be transformed by it. And, of course, the Lord has used you in many ways. Now you're celebrating Christmas there in Israel. And I want to ask you about that as we uh, get ready to close. But as I was just thinking, you know, really, we talk about Israel being in the shadow of America. Really, America is sheltered in the shadow of Israel. Uh, because, as you point I, out, it's it's those who stick with Israel uh, because God's sheltering hand is upon that nation in so many ways. It is so evident. And so it's got to be special uh, to be celebrating. I've never been there on Christmas. I've been there at the beginning of December and the opening of the celebration uh, there in Bethlehem, but never uh, have I been there at Christmas. And I think that would have to be a special time. So what are some of the things that you do to, uh, to really take in this time of year there in, uh, in the Holy Land? Well, uh, like many people uh, there in the United States, my wife and I have a Christmas tree. It's just in the other room right now. We'll be giving out gifts. Uh, my children and grandchildren are back in the U.S., so we've already sent their gifts. Uh, we won't be with them this Christmas. Uh, hopefully next year uh, we'll be spending some time with uh, uh, some friends here. And uh, I was in Bethlehem just a couple of weeks ago. My wife was there about two days ago. Uh, and it is amazing. I mean, I've been here 21 years, uh, Tony, and the fact that you're actually living in uh, the place where so many things of the Bible happen. Uh, I just drove by the Tower of David Museum. That's where the wise men came and met with Herod. And uh, there in the Church of the Nativity a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago, uh, it's just remarkable to see this might have been the very spot, uh, certainly the place where Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. And uh, we can celebrate that fact here on Christmas Eve. Well, and we celebrate it all around the world because it changed the world. Chris Mitchell, always so good to talk with you. Very, Have a very Merry Christmas. Thanks, Tony. Merry Christmas to you. All right. Uh, Chris Mitchell with CBN News. By the way, CBN News is a great source of news and information from that biblical perspective. 
Uh, they're great partners with us, and uh, we're grateful for them. So be sure and use them as one of your resources for news and information. All right, don't go away. We're coming back with more of this Christmas Eve edition of Washington Watch in just a moment when we'll be joined by Dr. Ben Carson. Go away. We're coming back right after this. Stay informed with what's going on in our nation's capital, make a difference in your community, and keep your friends and family up to date with Family Research Council's Stand Firm mobile app. This tool serves to bring Christians across America together in advancing faith, family, and freedom. With the Stand Firm app, you will have all our content available at your fingertips and will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download FRC's Stand Firm app, or by going to frc.org app. In the season our nation is in, it is necessary for Christians to pray, to stand for truth, and to, above all things, seek after the Lord. Every Wednesday, FRC and FRC Action President Tony Perkins hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to focus our attention on the Lord first and in every aspect of our lives. The purpose of this is to help equip you to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth in the midst of a confusing time in our culture. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christians for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog that's being created by the biased lenses of the mainstream media. This year, let's commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. To watch the Pray Vote Stand weekly broadcast, visit prayvotestand.org. That's prayvotestand.org. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at Welcome back to this special Christmas Eve edition of Washington Watch. So good to have you with us. And let me remind you once again, beginning in January, our two-year journey through the Bible will begin in Genesis. It's a chronological journey through the Bible, and it's it's broken down into 10, 15-minute uh, readings each day. So it's very, very doable. And I want to encourage you to join us and invite a friend, maybe your small group, maybe your entire church. To find out more, go to frc.org and join us in Stand on the Word, a two-year journey through the Bible. Well, tomorrow is Christmas. And what does that mean to you? What should it mean? Well, my next guest is a man whose life has been transformed by Christ, and he has an amazing testimony. He didn't grow up with much in terms of what the world describes as important, but he grew up to be a celebrated neurosurgeon and most recently served as the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Donald Trump. And he has been an outspoken, bold man of God who has not hesitated, even in the public arena, to declare his faith in Jesus Christ. Joining me now is Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Carson, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you. It's always good to be with you, and particularly this time of year, uh, Christmas time, which is so special. Well, it, it's, uh, I tell people all the time, this is a great opportunity for you to talk about your faith in Jesus Christ. But you do that all the time anyway. You've been very bold in sharing your faith in the, as a medical professional. I know the first time I heard you was back at the National Prayer Breakfast. Uh, but then as you entered into the political arena, you've not hesitated. Why? Is Jesus Christ so important to you? Well, because I still remember uh, me as a child uh, being called the dummy, uh, having hopeless people all around me. And uh, I remember the journey from there to where I am now and the things that have happened along the way. And I know me, and I know I can't do those things. 
So it's very easy for me uh, to remember who, in fact, was the one who did those things. And it makes all the difference in the world. But, you know, Christmas has always been a really special time for, for our family because my mother uh, was born on December the 24th. So and we always kind of celebrated her birthday and Christmas together. And now that wasn't fair to her because she said she got gypped out of present. <laughs> but uh, she was just kidding. We, we had really very fond memories around it, even when we didn't have much money. You know, money and gifts aren't nearly as important as, as family, uh, the warmth, uh, the singing of songs, and remembering the real reasons for the season that Jesus Christ came to this earth to save us. And there's not that much that we have to do to take advantage of it. He said, whosoever believeth in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. The thief on the cross qualified. He wasn't necessarily the best person in the world. Uh, now, I'm not saying that to say that people should just go and do anything they want and claim salvation. Uh, because the fact of the matter is, when you develop a relationship with Christ and a relationship with God, it changes who you are. It's, it's very much like, uh, you know, when you get married to somebody that you love, uh, you don't have to go and rehearse the wedding vows each day. Uh, you, you know what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Uh, and that's what, the way it is with our relationship with God. So when you, when you think about Christmas, you talked about this a few moments ago, you grew up not having a whole lot. Um, you've, you've reached the heights of success from a standpoint of human success, um, you know, described as successful, as successful professional. Of course, I think you're successful because of your walk with Christ and how he's used you. And you've talked about that in the past and how he's guided you, even in surgeries, uh, that, yeah. that the, you, you said the Lord was with you in that. Uh, is is a lot of this material things, the the gifts, the all of these other things, are, are they crowding out the real meaning of Christmas and distracting us from what we should really be focused on? Well, I think for much of the world that is the case because when they think Christmas, they think Santa Claus and gifts. And, uh, you know, that's the least of my concerns. Uh, do, we, do we buy gifts for the grandchildren? Of course. Uh, but we always, when we sit down at the table, we talk about what are you thankful for? And it really gets the young people to start thinking. Yeah. And that's really what we want them to do. The older people, too, because it's very easy to get caught up in the commercialism that exists in our society today and forget about everything else. And what, what we really need to be uh, happy about is that the Christmas season frequently causes people to say Merry Christmas or at least Happy Holidays and to try to be kind, at least for a little while. And that, that is so important right now because we have these forces in our society that try to make people think that they're enemies right. uh, and that they should hate each other just because they may disagree on a point or two. Uh, yeah, you know, the best. And those are great. Those are great openings to, t to carry the conversation even further. Uh, Dr. Carson, we're up against a break, but we're going to come back after this break. And I, I want to talk about I'm going to go back a little bit and, and I want you to share your testimony, how you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Then you're still working to help people think through what we are facing as a country today and how we bring our faith and founding principles into the conversation. So we're going to talk about that as well when we come back. Dr. Ben Carson, my guest here on this Christmas Eve edition of Washington Watch. We're going to be back with more right after this. So don't go away. Washington Watch is coming back. God is the author of life and has created man in his image. Therefore, we must respect the inherent dignity of every human life from conception until natural death. That is why Family Research Council works to pass laws that protect the unborn. To keep you informed on this issue, FRC has created online maps that illustrate progress in each state on key pro-life laws. That way, you can know where your state stands on protecting unborn babies. 
Check out our pro-life maps at frc.org slash pro-life maps. Hi, my name is Hannah. I'm serving as an intern here at Family Research Council, and it's been a life-changing experience. Interns join FRC's team of experts as they embark upon a mission of advancing faith, family, and freedom in public policy and the culture from a biblical worldview. The FRC internship is a 12 to 15 week program designed to educate university students who are passionate about public service and who believe that a biblical worldview is fundamental to the reformation of government and culture. Interns receive the opportunity to work alongside and be personally and professionally developed by FRC's team of experts. This paid internship offers free housing in the heart of DC, which allows students to be fully immersed in the fast-paced political climate and to build a community with other faithful conservatives in the nation's capital. For more information and to apply, visit frc.org slash internships. That's frc.org slash internships. Stay informed with Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With the Stand Firm app, you will have all our content available at your fingertips and will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. You will have access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Search Stand Firm on your mobile device to download FRC's Stand Firm app. We often hear that religious liberty is something we must protect, but what is it? Simply put, it is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. So, why should people care about protecting religious liberty, both domestically and internationally? At Family Research Council, we believe that fighting for religious liberty is essential because it is an inherent human right that all governments have a responsibility to protect. Unfortunately, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a terrible reality around the world, yet so often the media turns a blind eye while attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. As Christians, we look to Scripture as our authority, and in it we have a clear calling from God to pray and care for the persecuted. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. Learn more about what you can do to help the persecuted by accessing Family Research Council's latest resources on religious liberty at frc.org slash religious liberty. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. Welcome back to this Christmas Eve edition of Washington Watch. So good to have you with us. Someone was uh, asking, what, what am I drinking in my stand mug? Well, I'd love to say it's eggnog, but it's not. It's just water. But you can drink anything. And in fact, uh, if you've not yet gotten your stand mug, go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the links over. USA made 15-ounce mug. Great for your morning coffee as it reminds you to stand, stand firm in the word. And by the way, let me mention it one more time. Coming up January the 1st, we begin our two-year journey through the Bible. It's our second one, Stand on the Word. And to find out more about how you can be a part of that, sign up for it. Go to Tony, uh, go, sorry, go to frc.org slash Bible. Lots of resources and tools for you on this edition of the journey, chronological read through the Bible. Again, find out more, go to frc.org slash Bible. Well, thanks for tuning in. I know a lot of activities uh, tonight as we move toward Christmas Eve, tomorrow being Christmas. But let me say Merry Christmas, and we're certainly not afraid to say that here. We embrace it. And uh, before we went to the break, we were talking with Dr. Ben Carson about the important things of of Christmas. And uh, yes, presents are important, buying them for the grandkids, but more importantly, talking, having conversations. And so we were having a conversation. I want to go back to Dr. Carson, to his encounter, that life-changing encounter that clearly has uh, changed the trajectory of his life, and that was his relationship with Jesus Christ. Dr. Carson, thanks so much for being with us this evening. Absolutely. You know, when I look back over my life, I I just have to stop and, and thank God and praise him because... Uh, there were so many situations that could have sent me on a different trajectory. But, uh, you know, I kind of grew up in the church, uh, knew the Bible stories, could recite the Bible verses. But, you know, I don't think I was really converted until I was 14. 
And I had a real problem with my temper. And I would uh, get into a fair amount of trouble because of it. Uh, but one day, I tried to stab another youngster over a, a minor argument. And fortunately, he had a large metal belt buckle on under his clothing, and a knife blade struck it and broke. And I was terrified that I was trying to kill somebody. You know, I had turned things around academically. I had been the worst student you could possibly imagine. Uh, but uh, my mother made me read books, made my brother read books. Uh, we didn't like it at first, but after a while, I began to really enjoy reading those books. And in the space of a year and a half, I went from the bottom of the class to the top of the class. And I was determined that I was going to become a physician. But I realized on the day of that attempt at stabbing that I would never achieve that goal with a temper like that and that I would end up in jail, reform school, or the grave. And I just fell on my knees and I said, Lord, I can't, I can't do it. You're going to have to help me. I, I cannot succeed on my own because of this temper. And there was a Bible and I picked it up and opened it to the book of Proverbs and started reading. And there were all these verses about anger. Like Proverbs 19, 19, it says, there's no point getting an angry man out of trouble because he's just going to get right back into it. Um, but there were also a lot of verses about fools, and they all seemed like they were written about me. And I, I said, you know, that sounds very much like you. And I spent three hours in that bathroom reading and praying and contemplating my life. And I came to the conclusion that I was angry so often because I was selfish, uh, because things were always about me. Somebody took my thing. I want this, me, my, and I. And I said, what if you step outside the circle and let it be somebody else? And I decided that that's what I would do from there, that point forward. And I've never had a, another angry explosion uh, from that day forward. And it really has changed me. And some people say, you just learn how to control your temper. No, when God fixes the problem. He doesn't just do a paint job. He fixes it from the inside. And it's very, very difficult to, to make me angry. You just can't do it. Um, I, I actually am amused when I see people trying to make me angry. <laughs> it's kind of well, funny. it's amazing because, you know, I was just having that, some reason our, I was having a conversation with, I think it was my daughter who is an ER nurse. And she's worked with uh, a number of doctors, and we were discussing you. And I said, well, you know, Dr. Carson has this, he's, he, he doesn't get rattled. Uh, he is just so calm and, and easygoing. She goes, that's not the way most doctors are. Um, <laughs> you know, because you, you, you're right. I, I've never seen you rattled or, or angry. And that is the fact, that's, a, that's the transformation that takes place through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just a paint job, as you said. It's, it's a transformation that takes place from the inside out. Absolutely. And then there, was, there were so many situations, you know, along the way uh, that told me that God was with me. One night I was on call, and uh, it was a time of a national neurosurgical meeting, so all the attendings were away in Boston, except for the one that was left behind to deal with emergencies. And a young man came in. He was brought in by ambulance, unconscious, having been beaten badly with a baseball bat. And his brain was swelling. His CAT scan showed that uh, he had several hemorrhages and he was about to herniate. Part of the brain was going to uh, move to a different area and he would die unless he had a major operation, which I had never done before. And so, obviously, I called for the attending because you have to have an attending neurosurgeon. Well, the person who had been left behind, no one could find him. The paging operators, the nurses, no one could locate him. And there was this young man dying. And, uh, you know, it's not permitted for a resident to take someone to the operating room without an attending. So I was left with a terrible dilemma. Should I risk my career and take them to the operating room and do an operation that I'd never done before, but I'd seen it done? Or should I just take the easy way out? 
and say, you know, that's what the rules say. And I prayed to God for guidance. And immediately after that prayer, I felt calm. I felt that I should take him to the operating room. I did. I remembered everything. The operation turned out beautifully. Today, that young man is a child psychologist. But uh, I knew that God was with me at that point. And uh, that's been the case with so many other operations and other endeavors that I've gotten involved in. And even now, you know, that medicine uh, is something in my past. You know, I still depend on the Lord for guidance. Uh, you know, we start the American Cornerstone Institute, uh, looking at the cornerstone principles that made America into a successful country, our faith, which is so incredibly important. Some people are trying to say that our founders were not men of faith, but all you have to do is go back and look at a lot of their writings, and you can see that that is absolutely not true, particularly George Washington. And uh, that faith teaches us how to relate to our fellow human beings with love, not with hatred, not with cancellation, but with love. And then the whole con- – go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and it's, it's getting back to those foundational truths. Number one, faith. You cannot extract Christianity from America and still have America. And then those founding principles, which is what you're, you're focused on, bringing those back in at the youngest ages. You've actually got tools uh, to help parents. Grandparents have those conversations with their children and grandchildren. We actually have an online uh, teaching program for K through 5 uh, called Little Patriots. You can, you can get it at littlepatriotslearning.com, free of charge, by the way, uh, because our underwriters have felt that it was so important to make this available to anybody. And uh, it, it tells the true history of our country and tells what's behind those values and principles that led us uh, from a bunch of ragtag militiamen uh, to the pinnacle of the world in record time. That was not a coincidence. That was because of those principles, liberty, community, life, the things that we held dear, the things that we protected and the things that we must continue to protect. And it's really, I think, incumbent upon all of us uh, to, to put a stake in the ground and to be willing to stand up for for who we are and what we believe. Like your mug says, Dan, you know, if you don't do it, uh, you're not going to have those things for very long. And we're living at a time, you know, where here it is Christmas Eve. And uh, I do think, you know, some people may scoff at this, but I do think the fact that President, former President Trump made it an issue, it is a little easier to say Merry Christmas. It's, it, uh, you know, th- there was a hostility toward that. And I remember when he, when he, when he announced his candidacy and he said, it's going to be safe to say uh, Merry Christmas in America again or something to that effect. You know, the media, they scoffed at it. Uh, but it, it was the underlying issue. And it wasn't so much about Christmas as it was about faith in Jesus Christ and the ability to openly share it live by it. But I think as the space has been made open, as you've said, we need to be very bold about our faith. We need to live it out no matter if we're in education, we're in the medical field, we're in the banking field, wherever we are, we cannot hide the fact that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, because I think that is the most important thing for an individual, but I also think it's one of the most important things for a country as well. And that, and that informs the way that you react to other people. Even people who aren't necessarily nice, uh, if you're nice to them, as it says in Proverbs 25, heap coals of fire on their head by being nice to them. That's the worst thing you can do for a mean person is to be nice back to them. Uh, they just away. But uh, what a difference. man! I enjoy watching the reactions when people are, are mean and cruel and you don't reciprocate in kind. And I've seen a lot of people completely change because of that. People that people said were irascible become reasonable people. So, Dr. Carson, as we, uh, we're about to wrap up our time here, we've got a few minutes left. As we uh, you know, move into the celebration of Christmas and beyond, what would you encourage 
believers. And that's primarily where we're on Christian stations all across America, primarily believers, but there's a few that maybe not believers that are listening to the program watching. What would you encourage them to do, given the state of our nation? I mean, you're You've been, a, you, as you said, you've left the medical field, but and you've been in the, the public policy realm, previous administration, now your own uh, kind of a nonprofit speaking into this realm. What's your diagnosis? What do we need to be doing? Well, I think it's very important to, to recognize the times that we're living in. If you read Matthew 24, it talks about the end times, and boy, are we... Uh, living in a time that's described there quite well right now, including the pestilence. And uh, it, it says something that should make us all very humble. It says, were the time not cut short, even the very elect would be deceived by the evil that is going on in our world because it disguises itself. Uh, always coming gift wrapped and making it look like this is something good but how can it be good uh, for us to go back to a time when we tell people that you should evaluate somebody on their external physical characteristics things that they have no control over as opposed to the, the character that they manifest how can that be a good thing how can it be a good thing to ignore certain laws and just observe the ones that you want to keep. Uh, how does that create, you know, a functional society and a safe society? And uh, I, I think those of us who just want to think logically, who recognize the gift that was given to us in a nation where we esteem uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, uh, and we want to keep that. We want to keep that for those who come after us. And the reason we have it now is because there were those who came before us and they were faithful and, and, and courageous people. And they didn't have to do it, but they were thinking about us. And I would say now it's time for us not to only think about ourselves, but to think about those who are coming after us and to think about the entire world. Because before America became a great power, the world was full of despotic leaders who went around trampling everybody that they could. And uh, the world will become that way again if the United States becomes weakened and uh, does not manifest leadership. But that's really kind of going back to what you shared a few moments ago about that uh, transformational point in your life in accepting Jesus Christ. But stepping outside of that circle of me, myself, and I, and right. looking at, at others. And I think even as believers, we sometimes tend to live for ourselves, fearful that we might uh, incur the wrath of the world when, in fact, that's what we've been called to do so that others might know the truth. Dr. Carson, we're out of time. Always great to talk with you. I could talk with you forever. Uh, so much appreciate uh, you and, and, and your stand for truth and you're, uh, you're continuing to, uh, to be that voice of reason in this process. Thanks so much well, for being with us. Well, right back at you, all the same things. And uh, we're praying that the Lord keeps you safe, particularly during this new year with the new ventures. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you, Dr. Carson. Merry Christmas. And folks, thank you for joining us as well. Check out all the resources at TonyPerkins.com and have a very Merry Christmas. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.